There are many ways people listen to Vision, including in cars through the Vision app. The Vision app is compatible with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. So if you have mobile coverage, you can stream any of Vision's live radio channels in crystal clear quality and enjoy a growing range of on-demand podcasts all on the go. There are other ways to connect your phone to your vehicle speakers too. You can see detailed instructions when you Google ways to listen to Vision. However and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. We're going to have a conversation around the experience of God's grace today. As you'll know, one of the most amazing hymns ever written was by John Newton. The words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And those sentiments founded in the Bible where we understand profound truths like that one spoken by the Apostle Paul who said, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Well, our special guest today knows he is the recipient of God's amazing grace. Pastor Chris Lamb has released his latest book called Church Without Religion. It's a title that captures our imagination because often we talk about our Christian faith as a relationship and not as a religion even though we need to use the word to understand the context of our faith in contrast to the other world religions, like, say, Hinduism or Islam. Chris Lamb is the senior pastor at New Creation Church on the Gold Coast in Queensland. He's a grace-based Bible teacher and a singer-songwriter, and in fact he has eight CDs to his name. Chris Lamb, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Good to be here. Chris, I always love conversations with you because you have the most amazing testimony to tell. Thanks, Neil. And uh, there's a couple of dimensions that we perhaps uh, can just come back to, and we've had some conversations about this before, and I might say that's probably some years ago, so uh, lots of listeners won't be familiar with your testimony, but uh, you you are a cancer survivor, and uh, you experienced all sorts of things as a cancer survivor or someone going through treatment Mm. uh, in church life. And uh, you found it very uncomfortable being in church and being someone who's going through cancer treatment. What if we just start with that one, and we'll talk about your other testimony in just a few moments. Take us back to uh, that feeling that you had of, uh, of even rejection in church life because you were going through this treatment. Yeah, well, I, I was in a Pentecostal church and, um, where it was preached about healing. And um, so the the book I wrote on that one is called What They Didn't Tell Me About Suffering, which is I'm not having a dig at anybody, but it was really the omission about people do go through suffering. And so I was in a church at that time where um, people be- looked down at you if you were if you were sick because, and you know, the, the, the common phrase is that you lack faith. And of course, you walk out feeling more condemned. You feel you you don't feel well, and now you don't feel well, and you feel, feel condemned as well. But at that at that time, God brought me into a church where they were preaching the grace of God, and the Lord 
spoke to me and he actually said to me at that time, this is not about healing, this is about learning. And boy, did I learn. I believed that, I received that from God, and my whole path was a path of learning and the scriptures began to open up and what they opened up to was the grace of God. And the the pastor was Len McGee, he was preaching um, the grace of God and it was just such a wonderful revelation to me I mean, I know I was knew I was saved by grace, but this ongoing grace was 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 incredibly wonderful, and in that God was sovereign. He knew everything that I was going through, and one of the things was Neil that the Lord spoke to my heart in that point, that 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 time, and He said, um, He said, "I'm going to take you through this." We always pray for God to take us out. Lord, deliver me from this. Deliver me from this. But the Lord often takes us through things. And, and he's with us through it, and he was walked with me all the way. And the subtitle of the, that first book is called The Unseen Road to Recovery. And it, beca- it went deeper and deeper and deeper and more profound. Not that I ever want to go through it again, but it was just, it opened up the scriptures to me. It opened up the gospel to me. Yeah. Right. So understanding the beauty of this graciousness that comes from a gracious, loving, heavenly Father. Yeah. And that being translated into the life of a church, and mm. uh, we can talk about you know church culture and things like that. No doubt we will. But uh, but when you have this focus on the graciousness of God, mm. and that becomes a part of the people in church, then they're going to be much more accepting and gracious towards everyone. Yeah, uh, a little more accepting, and uh, for people who are coming from perhaps uh, lifestyles that they're struggling in, yeah. uh, and also when you're going through sickness. Yeah. Uh, in, and even as you're saying, you know, going through a cancer treatment, uh, just the way that you've been embraced by people in mm. a church where grace was a central factor. Yeah. And, and it, it was true. Um, I learned, um, from, from the message that I was, I was hearing and also from the people that were receiving this and all around me. Um, I mean, you know, they, they, they were just so wonderful people. So they, they were just incredible people. I only went every second week because of the chemotherapy. I didn't have the strength to go. And, um, yeah, they, they, they gave to us. Um, they gave to me. They supported me. They smiled. I mean, the thing I remember are the smiles of people and the hugs of people and the, total acceptance. And I think it's the same, if, if I, I dare say, with sickness and with sin, that some people, you know, let's just say some some younger person who's just been saved, struggling with sin, and walks in to the to a church who's preaching grace, they get the same same treatment. They get the same acceptance because it's not based upon what they are living or trying to live, but it's based upon Christ's acceptance of them. We'll talk some more about this and we'll enlarge on some of those issues. But let's come to this other testimony that is really, truly a part of your life, Chris. And that is uh, the fact that you, at one point in your early Christian walk, uh, almost dropped out of church life. Uh, how you'd been hurt and uh, and you ran out of what you might call an ability to do church anymore. Uh, take us back into the way that you felt about church life in that time. Okay. Um, well, when I, when I had recovered from, from the cancer, um, 
again, I was hurt in the, in, in, in the church. So life went on, church went on, and I got to a stage where I really wanted to live in this grace that God was God had shown me. And um, and I started to see all around me, and I, I had been hurt, hurt, hurt by a couple of pastors, and I, I backed right out. And uh, I, I, and then I, and and I've got to admit, you know, I mean, I'm not blaming anybody because, you know, people people are people, and 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 a lot of the problem, the fault was was within me, it was my flesh, but and I felt sorry for myself, and uh, I got to a point where I just couldn't handle the church culture anymore. It, I looked at it again. I'm, I'm not trying to condemn anybody or criticize anybody but I the way I the way I viewed it was that it was um empty and it was uh, people had their rituals and it's could have been God opening my eyes to say that's not what it's based on it's not based upon the ritual every every Sunday doing the same thing and the culture and the way people dressed and all of that and you know at at this time we take up the offering and we lift our hands and you know, all of that that I'd been doing. I'd been so much a part of that, but suddenly I couldn't do it. And and it was it was just empty to me. So how was it that when you get a focus on an understanding of God's grace yeah. and uh, not just as the foundation, we'll talk about foundations and, and what happens then as you grow a Christian walk, but, but how was it that God's grace at that point in time yep. brought you back to okay. the heart of God? Okay, well... I ventured in to a fellow that you have here on, on in, in Vision, Ken Legg, who who I love, and um, I was his associate pastor for a, quite a few years, and um, but I ventured into the church there, <laughs> very very gingerly, sat at the back, heard heard the message, and and I was hearing a new message. It was the same message, but it was a new message. <laughs> if you know what I mean? Because. Mm. You know, we, we, we've heard people say it's all about the Word of God. And on the way here, I saw a, I saw a sign, the billboard that said, read your Bible. And uh, But there's a message contained in, in the Bible. And that message, it's not just the words that are in the Bible, it's the message that's in the Bible. And what I heard Ken speaking was the good news of God. And I started to see, he started to preach about the righteousness of God and that we have been made righteous, and that um, it's not according to where I've been or what I've done, but it's according to everything Christ has already provided for me and given to me. That, you know, one of the things, and I put it in the, f- the former book, you know, people trying to die to sin. Well, that's, that one of the things the Lord had to tell me was that, where is that in the Bible? Where do you have to die to sin? And it's not there. Um, what it says in, in Romans six eleven, I think it is, it says, "Reckon yourself already dead to sin and alive to God." So this coming alive to God was everything that I was looking for, everything that I was hungering for, and it became real. So I ended up going to the Ken's church and sitting there for about nine months, and I noticed something starting to change in me. And it no longer was about the culture, no longer was about the externals. It was about the internal life of Christ in me that I started to feel and I started to think differently. Suddenly, there's this transformation going on, which I wasn't trying to do. It was just happening because I was seeing something new and I was believing the word, the good news of God. 
Do you think that in some church cultures, uh, this idea of, uh, you know, uh, preaching about sin, preaching about repentance, uh, actually sometimes creates the impression of God being the condemning God, uh, you know, ready to throw down a lightning bolt or two, because uh, perhaps even our attitudes uh, can be influenced, and, uh, and and I guess in some sense there's a learning process that we go through when we appreciate the grace of God. Sometimes it's going to start with this idea that, oh, that sounds pretty harsh. Mm-hmm. Uh, God maybe uh, has some higher standards than I uh, mm-hmm. had thought that he had, and so all of a sudden I feel as though I'm being condemned. This word condemned no doubt will come up in our conversation as we go, but yeah. what about this sort of idea that, that a lot of people have in their Christian experience where religion becomes almost a religion of condemnation. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and what you said there about um, people preaching about sin, about, you know, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, um, stay away from that, you know, warning people and staying away from that um, week after week after week after week. Well, what the scriptures actually say is that I hadn't known sin except that it was for the law. And when I knew the law, it enticed sin. So suddenly there's an, a consciousness of sin. So in my mind, if, if, I, if I have a, a, a view, say, say, I've, say I've got a weakness that, um, you know, um, okay, anger. Let's just take, take anger. And, you know, I get on the roads. And, and this, you know, this has been a bit of a personal confession. Okay. <laughs> you know, get on the road. We might what, all have our own stories about these absolutely. sorts of Absolutely. Yeah. You know, what are these people doing on my road? I, I joke about it, you know. Um, get out of my lane. And, and, and so, <clears throat> if, especially if you're intensely trying to get somewhere and, you know, you're doing it for God. And, and, um, but that suddenly there's this, there's this anger and, and I start to, you know, see cars and people's faces and, you know, um, so if I'm seeing that, and then I go to church and somebody starts talking about how wrong that is, how wrong that is, and so I've got this in with a big X, red X on, in my mind. The thing is still there. It's still in my mind. The thing I'm wrestling with and I'm fighting with, I, I'm going to lose. I can never, ever win that battle. But what I have to do is focus on something else, and that's where Christ came and gave us something else to focus on, and he put life within us. And so the focus is righteousness. If we read um, Romans 1, 17, well, 16 and 17 talks about the good news of God because the book of Romans is all about the good news of God. Um, it says, well, I'm not ashamed of the, the good news, the gospel of, of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. There's how we get saved. Then it says, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So there's in the good news, people have preached the second part of the good news is to preach the righteousness of God. And so we start to see that we that God is righteous, that we have been made righteous because the scriptures talk about us receiving the gift of righteousness. And if I start to see that he's made me righteous, that I have received the gift of righteousness, that Justification means being declared righteous, that God has declared me righteous when I believed in Christ just by faith, then, you know, okay, I've got these problems. I've got these these issues. But I start to focus not on them, but upon Christ. They start to, they really do start to fall away. 
Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line open 1-800-316-316 talking about our experience of God's grace today. And that could be within our family, could be within our local church. And sometimes our experience of God's grace when we're dealing with others might not be the same way we think is ideal. So 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation today, you can also leave a note on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Chris, let me ask about this word condemnation, because this is really a key word when we're talking about how we are recipients of God's grace, but when then we are reminded that there are standards that God has, or if we're reminded of, you know, the law that might have come from the Ten Commandments, you know, Moses on Mount Sinai and uh, and those Ten Commandments, and mm. they have a place still today in the way we might think about biblical and Christian ethics. But when we talk about this word condemnation, of course, we're going to need to understand and be able to uh, contextualize who we are and where we are because we're in a world where uh, the law is important. So if we talk about this word condemnation, you can never be really free from it, can you? Yes, absolutely, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 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 if you were going back to what you were saying a little earlier, if you were never reminded of those things, then you might never feel a sense of condemnation. And we could enlarge this to include the word conviction because the conviction of the Holy Spirit might bring us an understanding of who we are and where we are in relation to the law. But uh, but this idea of condemnation, it's the word that keeps us down, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, look, if, you know, we, we in the break we mentioned condemnation, Romans 8, 1. And when you, when you consider Romans 8, verse 1, came after Romans 7, which is a, is a whole build-up of, of Paul's good news message, and he comes to a great conclusion uh, almost in Romans 8.1. So he says, now, now there is therefore no condemnation. You know, the answer to condemnation is justification. Justification, because both of those words are legal terms. Condemnation is something when you go up before a judge and he says, you're guilty, Neil, you're guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you are condemned, and in this sense, to death. You know, we've, we've we've been condemned to death because of sin. There's none righteous, no, not one, all guilty. You know, therefore we're condemned to death. So Paul, how how is it that Paul says there is now therefore no condemnation? What's the now? And that's the fact that if we if we read through, um, like even Romans three, he talks very strongly, keeps repeating that we are made righteous, we are justified, which means which means justice has been served. The, the judge is satisfied. The judge is declared you as not, not guilty, but righteous. Why is that? Because he put all our guilt, all our sin upon Christ on the cross. And you, you, you know when it says, um, John, John says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He doesn't use the word merciful. He actually uses the same word, justice. It's a just, it's a justice thing. It's a just thing for God to declare you just is based upon the fact that Christ took the penalty of all our sin. And see, 
if we believe that, if we can first of all see that, if we know that, if we see it, if we start to believe it, then something's happened in me. It might I might not even feel this incredible emotion about it, but it's been a legal declaration. I believe it. And nothing can take that back. Once God has declared a person righteous, it's going to change the way I, I live. So if you have that foundation sown into your Christian life yeah. at the beginning, yeah. uh, then you actually do away with a lot of the guilty hardships that you might face as you grow. If you don't have that foundation that you are free and saved by grace, yeah. not of your own works, but yeah. it's all about the cross of Christ, his sacrifice, his substitutionary death in our place. Absolutely. If you don't have that foundation at the beginning of your Christian walk, yeah. then you are more likely to be prone to the idea of condemnation. Whenever those words about sins and sin come up, yeah. uh, then you're actually going to be reminded more uh, more uh, readily about those things and you're going to feel those feelings of condemnation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you see, Romans 7 ends up, um, as we know, the guy calls out, and I don't believe it's Paul at all, he's Paul's um, in acting another role of, 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 a, of a, I believe, a Christian who doesn't know the the freedom of, of grace. And he, what does the guy say? Wretched man that I am. Wretched man that I am. God, God doesn't want us to be wretched People or to feel wretched because this man was trying to keep the law. And there's a key, key in that he says, with his mind, with his mind, but not, he wasn't living out of the life of his heart. And so that's where Paul comes in and says, now therefore there's no condemnation now to us. Why? In Christ Jesus. We're in Christ. See, and, and, and I've, I've said, there was a lady that came with her husband and, and visited our fellowship, and I made this, I make these bold statements, which you're allowed to <laughs> because they're in the scriptures. And, and, um, that is that when, when we come to Christ, when we believe in Christ, we are perfected. That there's, that there's not one ounce of sin in us in Christ. Now that's spiritually, spiritually, when we're born again, and this lady said, and she's a lovely lady. She said, it was at one of our coffee meetings that we had. I find that very hard to believe. So I went to Colossians 3, and it says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits at the right hand of the phone. For your life is dead, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. How could we be in Christ, in God, and have any ounce of sin? So you see, if we know who we are, the new identity that we are in Christ, there can be no sin and, and if we, there's no condemnation. So constant reminders or a constant battering around the ears, uh, that old expression comes to mind, uh, you know, the Bible basher. Uh, perhaps it doesn't happen so much out on the streets as sometimes it does happen in church. Mm. Uh, so when you've got this constant reminder that you are a bad person, uh, that you are a <laughs> sinner, yeah. uh, and uh, if you ha have that reminder, then <clears throat> you're going to be entrapped yeah. Now, I'll take you back, because uh, you mentioned a little earlier that, uh, you know, your good friend, Ken Legg, mm. and uh, he was uh, a mentor to you at one yep. stage there earlier on in your Christian uh, career. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, there's something he wrote in his endorsement of your book, which I picked up on. He said, religion invents a system of legalism by which its leaders can control people through fear and guilt manipulation. Wow. 
Now, I hope I haven't taken this all out of uh, context here, but it is a very strong comment Absolutely. about the way that sometimes a culture in church may be developed and depending on, on the leader. And not casting aspersions on anyone when no. I uh, when I say this, because uh, you know people who are leading churches doing a wonderful job, and by God's grace, uh, doing a, a good job at that. But this idea of the system of legalism uh, that can be used to control people. Uh, what are your thoughts on on the way that you know we ought to be able to have a freedom of expression in our church life? an ability to be able to even enact a life that demonstrates a freedom from the manipulation or control. Mm. Well, <clears throat> see, again, if we, if we go on in Romans 8 and verse 2, it says this, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Again, here we are still in Christ. Mm. We have life in Christ. These, are, these should be our focus. Has made me free from the law of sin and death. So here we have life, we're in Christ, we have freedom. And so there's no room anymore in the gospel of God, of the message of the New Testament, for any person to be bashed around the, the head to say, you're not good enough. And by the way, we're not sinners. There's no such thing as a Christian sinner. There's a Christian saint. We've, we've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. So our new creation being, 2 Corinthians 5.17, which is what we're called, you know, if any man be in Christ or any person be in Christ, woman as well, they are a new creation. That's a spiritual thing. That's born again of the spirit, new creation. Old things have passed away. That's, 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 look, I might still have my old habits, they might take a while to drop off, but that's my outer man. That's the flesh. The, the, the Paul's very strong about calling it the body of sin. But, but it's not us. It's no longer us. When we mistake the fact that because I do something wrong, that's me, now in, now in Christ, it's, it's not me. Chris, about your book, it's a little bit confronting. Church without religion, because mm -hmm. oftentimes people will even describe their faith as a religion. Mm -hmm. So that is a confronting title for some people. Sure. We, <clears throat> we've got a guy in the church that wants to change it. He's very much involved. But we've had people come to the church because of that. So um, what, what, what we mean by, by that is that... Um, it's um, it's not by works. It's not by trying to be some somebody. It's not trying to um, provide a Christian, um, say, culture, if you like. But it's 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 the life of Christ within that we're that we're on about. Let's take a call. Let's hear from Sean, who is on the Gold Coast. Hello, Sean. Welcome along. Morning, gentlemen. Sean, um, what are your thoughts? Well, first I just wanted to give a little testimony and then I just wanted to ask Chris a quick question if I could. So I come out of, um, like, I come into Christianity in 1999 radically, like, and only by the grace of God. Mm. Um, I was set free from a drug addiction I'd had since I was 12, which was about 11 years. Mm. And the Christianity that I knew was just the grace of God. That's all I knew. Wonderful. I got into the church at the tip particular denomination, and within, by the year 2006, I was illegal, I was so legalistic, I didn't even understand my identity anymore, who I was as a child of God, and it's been a journey uh, for about 13 years now that God's had me uh, just 
revisiting the true gospel of grace. And Hallelujah. the question that I want to ask, Chris, is for someone like me, if, 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 you, if I could have met you like 13 years ago, the question I'd ask you is, what's the first thing I have to do to come out of that legalism that I had cultivated in my life? Okay. Um, Sean, thanks for that. I love that testimony um, that you, it's all by grace. Look, I would say the first thing, and I, we often say this to people, and, and that is stop. <laughs> stop and stop trying. Stop trying to be a better person. Now, that's very controver- controversial, but I want to add to this, to that, that Jesus didn't come to try and make us better people. Jesus came to bring us life. You know, John 10, I've come that they may have life and life more abundantly. And the other thing I would say, Sean, is is that if you can start to listen to preachers that are teachers that are teaching the good news of God, what happens is that our, our mind starts to absorb the truth and our spirit already, as you've, as you've testified to, is already in connection with God. You already have the Holy Spirit, and your spirit will actually say, Amen, that's right, that's right. And out of this will come your freedom. Sean, thank you so much for your call. And our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Let's just just dwell on uh, on Sean's story just a a little longer here, because uh, Sean... As he says, he came to Christ purely on the understanding of God's grace. Yeah. And then it took him some years over that time to actually get really religiousized <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and to become very legalistic. And yeah. uh, there is a sense here in which somehow or other you've got to be able to have a, a time of renewal where you actually come back to an appreciation of how it is that you are saved, not by your works, be they good or bad, but by God's grace alone. Yeah. So do you advocate that there ought to be times, perhaps even either within your own family or in church life, Maybe you're a part of a, a home group or something like that uh, where you would actually have times where you just reflect on what it is that makes you saved before God by his grace. Oh, definitely. And you see this, uh, again, what happened to me and what I, I pray happened is happening to Sean and other people is that we come back to the real focus that, you see, uh, once I heard a pastor say this, years ago, and I just started to come into the grace of God. He said, it's all very well to be saved by grace. He says, but then we have to move on. Now, I thought, wow, what do we move on to? This is Galatians where it says we're, we've fallen from grace because we, we move on into back into law. The moment we start trying to perfect something, we lose sight of what we've already got. And so the to me, the the great answer for, for us is to start to focus on what what Christ has done, seek the scriptures about what Christ has already already given us and and bring it right back to the day we were saved. Nothing's changed. you know I've, I've got in the book here um, that um, I, I don't know what chapter is now, but um, about the honeymoon's over. Remember I don't know if you heard that, but I, I, I heard that. Mm-hmm. You know that we, when we were saved, just like Sean says, you know we were filled filled with the Spirit, grace of God. We loved God. We hugged everybody. You know the the sun shone brighter. You know, and then some of the older Christians in the church, and not everybody, but you know some of them, 
kind of looked looked and thought, oh, you know, this will tone down. This will this will you know they'll get over this. And um, sure enough, we 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 have a hiccup, and we go for counsel, and then we get we we get told this. Oh well, it's you've just in a honeymoon period. The honeymoon period's over, and we start to accept that. We start to believe that, which is ab- an absolute lie. The honeymoon period is never over. We're still we, we're actually. Not even on a honeymoon yet. We're betrothed <laughs> to Christ. Well, I guess we are encouraged uh, with those letters to the churches in Revelation, and uh, you can remind me perhaps even which church it was that had lost their church, their first love. Yeah. And this idea of coming back to a first love, and I suspect this first love is connected to our understanding of God's grace because he is like the father of the prodigal son who's welcoming back the prodigal son with open arms yeah. knowing that his son has been uh, you know uh, off squandering the inheritance but still welcomes the prodigal son back there's a certain sense here isn't there that this first love is very much a understanding of your personal journey in God's grace yeah that that was um, Ephesus um Church at Ephesus, yeah. Church at Ephesus. And look, you know, what, what, what's interesting, absolutely, what, what's interesting about, about this is that when we talk about that, and we used to preach it, you know, as young zealots, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd say, you know, you've left your first love, you've got to come back to loving God, right? That's not what he's talking about. The first love, John says this, herein is love, that God first loved us. That, that, um, so it's the love of God to us as seeing the love of God to us, not our love to him, because I'm going to fail at that all the time, as we all will. And, and so anybody could be condemned. You don't love God enough. I don't love God enough, but he loves me. So I dwell in that love. It's his love for me that, that they departed from. It's his love for the Ephesian church that they departed from. And that's what we depart from. We, we f- we feel it we when we get saved, but then we start to move on <laughs> into other things. Okay, let's take another call. Russell is on the line from Slacks Creek in Queensland. Hello, Russell. Welcome. Hello. How are you? Very well, Russell. What are your thoughts um, for our conversation? Yeah, what you mentioned is Romans eight, which I like. Talks about um, new life in the spirit. You know, as you said, you go to um, um, John four twenty three. God is a spirit. We must worship him in spirit and in truth. Yep. The other one I come back on is John four um fourteen twenty six, the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit will bring all things into remembrance what I teach you in Christ. And I really got over them words that you come back on the Holy Spirit to help you. Okay. Do you uh, what's your thoughts there for Russell in Slack's Yeah. Creek? Hi, Russell. Um, Hello. Hi. Uh, look, absolutely, that we are born again of the Spirit, where, which um, Jesus said. You, you, how are you, you know, Nicodemus said, how, how can a man be born twice? He said, that which is born of the flesh is the flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So the Spirit breathes new life into us, and the Holy Spirit never leaves us. When we're, when we're born again, he never leaves us. So... It's absolutely true that we need to learn to know who we are in Christ, what we've got in Christ, the new life we've got in Christ, to come to terms with that. And and as as um, I think Andrew Farley said, that we wake up in the morning 
and we, we know who we are in Christ and we just be ourselves because that's who we are in Christ. And now we will begin to walk in the Spirit. How do we walk in the Spirit? We, we, allow, we, we stop trying to walk and we allow the Spirit of God to walk, to, to live through us. And, and um, of course, we're not going to always get it right, but there's no condemnation. He teaches us those things. Okay, thank you so much to Russell from Slacks Creek, 1-800-316-316. You can join in our conversation today. You can leave a note too on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. If we're understanding this in a right way here, Chris, Mm. uh, there is a sense in which, yes, this coming back to this understanding of God's grace, the foundation of our life, so that we are on a firm foundation as we grow through our Christian experience because we're going to be exposed to all sorts of things that will remind us of our sins and even of our shortcomings as we walk in a day-to-day way. And you're saying, well, we don't need to live under condemnation because before God we are not under condemnation and that's going to give us the platform by which we can really live in our experience of God's grace today. Amen. But there comes a place (laughs) where we need to engage with this world, Mm. a sinful world, because we're called to be salt and light. We're called to be, as a church, the city on the hill with a light that cannot be hidden. Mm. And the thing that people will notice about us is that we have a different way of living, a different way that actually might have this foundation on grace. Mm. So the engagement with those things that will remind us of our shortfallings is going to be inevitable as we are actually being salt and light to the world. Uh, So we ought not to hold back from that. Uh, I suspect you're going to say, come from a place of strength. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, look, look, as as we talked earlier, I believe that, you know, the Ten Commandments, anybody, that they should be plastered over the the nations because they are the standard of God. And... um, that the Ten Commandments can even be enforced, which will stop people going astray of, you know, sinning outwardly anyway, you know. But that doesn't make them righteous with God. And never, it never will, because by the deeds of the law, no one is made right, no one is made righteous. So, and so going back to how we, how we deal with the nations, what do we do? Jesus said, um, as, and you said, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine. And remember, sorry, notice that he said, um, let your light shine. It's not that I have to try and make the light shine. It's that somebody comes to my door and knocks on the door and I, and I open the door and, and they want to come in. And, and um, I don't have to try and force them in because I let them in. So it's the same. Like the Holy Spirit in us is wanting to shine. And it's a matter of us, again, stop trying to do it. Let him live his life through us. And and then the nations will see by our good works. Let's take some more calls. Let's hear from Glenn in Buffalo River in Victoria. Hello, Glenn. Welcome along. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we? Hi, Glenn. Well, thank you, Glenn. What are your thoughts for our conversation? Well, our friend has brought up a number of issues and... um, uh, there's so many, but if I could just share a testimony with you. Yep, sure. Many years ago, when I stopped my running and I came to that uh, crossroad of life, mm. and uh, 
uh, and I started um, paying attention. Uh, it was at a little home church in a place called Carlisle, and as the men stood up and read scripture and it consistently followed themes from the beginning to the end, uh, the whole 66 books, these men, they were just unbelievable. And as I watched and I saw these men and they were having a relationship with God. Mm. They weren't, there was no religion. It was a relationship. And the first two things that I learned that day was that uh, God is approachable and he has a purpose. Then later on, I'm to experience a lot of things that our friend has experienced. And you come up against not what the Bible teaches, but what men believe. Yeah. And um, yes. And, uh, and I'm just so grateful to God that he introduced me to a relationship and not to a religion. Glenn, wonderful yeah. reflection there. Yeah, and what good. I think you're touching on is an attitude of the heart uh, that comes with a passion for the Bible, like those men you're describing, a passion for the things yeah. of God, which is not about just uh, understanding a set of laws, but actually living according to the grace that we've been re- we've received from God, uh, and then outworking our lives, and uh, the Scripture comes alive. Give us some uh, insights here for Glenn here, uh, Chris. Yeah, hi, Glenn. That's that's great what what you're saying, and obviously that's um, <laughs> we we spoke last Sunday on Father's Day to say that the the purpose of eternal life is that we would know the Father. And that's why Jesus came, to bring us back, to clear clear the way, to clear the debt, to make us righteous like God so that we could then have a relationship with God. We're, you know, um, Romans 5.1, going back to righteousness and justification, it says, um, therefore being justified or made righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, the peace with God, the enmity's gone between you and me or God, between God and us. There's no enmity. The way is clear. Ephesians 2.18, it says that we have access to him by one spirit to the Father. And so there's nothing now to stop us coming and having that beautiful, wonderful relationship with God. If we believe that, you know, God is not angry with us. God is not, he, 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 he's, he's made peace with us through Christ. Thank you so much to Glenn from Thanks, Buffalo Glenn. River. Let's take one more call. Let's hear from Norman in Queensland. Hi, Norman. Welcome. Hello. How are you going? Very well, Norman. What are Hi. your thoughts? Um, look, I was just thinking, and I have been over the uh, last few months about a about scriptural reference, and, and I believe that, and I believe that we're being as Christians a little bit prideful, spiritual pride, and we seem to defend ourselves with our beliefs rather than. Um, like, for instance, we don't kneel to pray anymore and we don't sit to listen. And I think they're the most important fundamental approaches to, to learning God's will for us individually. But there's scriptures that say that we should pray for the gift of um, prophecy. And, but I get the impression that, that the Bible and most religionists think that all the prophets are nailed down in, that, in, that, in the book, in the scriptures, 
that perhaps if you have a revelation like or an understanding of what's written that might even conflict with what's written in the Bible or that what is um, in a sense omitted or um, misconstrued from the scriptures like for instance in Revelations there's mention of a two-headed beast rising up out of the ocean of consciousness uh, and I'm being told that that's the death sentence beast of America and China and if you see the influence of those two nations over our particular um, country which, by the way, is not Norman, you're digressing a little here and uh, missing the main point that you're trying to make. Oh, the uh, main point I'm trying to make is that if you have a revelation that conflicts with scriptural, um, uh, in a sense, not so much conflicts, but extends past the, the what's written in the Bible, we sh- it's the way we prepare for the future is guided by what we don't understand more than what we're learning from the scriptures. Like, for instance, the great tribulation of the Father is to is upon the earth because we're the whole of the nations are being punished well none of us are going to avoid that so he's preparing us for that time the end times and that one of those very important times is to go things to react is to become instead of directing church funding to to missionaries impossible we're not saying that's a bad thing but we should be preparing communities for Christians here in Australia, for instance. Norman, uh, you're to... making a, a few points in there. Uh, any uh, special thought for Norman as we uh, as we got we got need to wrap things uh, up from this point? But uh, any thoughts for Norman? Well, he talked about people being proud. Well, I'm I'm not proud. I'm I'm humble. <laughs> so, sorry, that was a joke. Um, <laughs> All right, okay. it's our it's an impossibility yes. without Christ. But no, Norman, um, I believe that um, we can't, prophecy can't go past what the scripture says. And if if we do go past that, um, then we're in trouble because John says, believe not every spirit that comes into the world, for there are many false spirits that have gone, in, gone into the world. So it's a matter of uh, prophecy draws attention to biblical truth. It doesn't uh, distract or add to it. So, Absolutely. Uh, Norman, thank you so much for your call. And uh, just uh, only a couple of minutes remaining in our conversation. And uh, you've done a fair bit of study to put together your new book here, Chris. And, uh, and as we said, uh, the title is controversial because uh, we do need to use the word religion. But uh, there's a sense in which uh, you're saying church without religion there's something to rediscover in the way that we relate to God, that our salvation is by his grace alone and every step we take is by his grace alone. And uh, that humility that we need to have is something that becomes a foundation for us walking in his grace. What are your thoughts as we uh, wrap things up? Okay, look, um, yeah, Neil, as as we've spoken, as we've been speaking, that, um, you know, salvation is, is by grace but now every step of the way is by grace. Um, if we le- le- read the the last um, sentence in the book of Revelation, the last verse, it says, talks about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. It never runs out. It's something that the way God operates is always through grace. And I just wanted to read this scripture in Titus 2, 11 and 12, which is how we continue on in grace so and and it's not by it's not by trying to apply the law the external law to our life that we are sanctified or we become godly or we or we walk in godliness 
It's, uh, it says, Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And it's great that the grace of God brings salvation to us. It's not us reaching out and grabbing it. It's the grace of God that brings it. And then it says, Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. It's the grace of God that teaches us that from the inside out, not trying to apply it from the outside in. God's grace, empowerment for our daily living. And if we have that foundation from our earliest Christian experience of understanding God's grace, we will be held in good stead as we go through our lives. Uh, Great getting an opportunity to hear your insights today, Chris Lamb, Senior Pastor at the New Creation Church on the Gold Coast in Queensland. The uh, the website newcreationchurch.com.au is that where people get a hold of your book? Yeah, and uh, no doubt you can uh, it's available you can Google here. it. It's available UCB as uh, well. Okay, so you can get it from the Vision Store. Uh, so newcreationchurch.com.au and Church Without Religion is the name of the book we've been talking about. And I'll mention too your earlier book, what what they didn't tell me about suffering, yeah. and uh, just taking us back to that early testimony you were sharing. Chris Lamb, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Great to be here. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.